News Radio 680 WPTF, the theme, no, the love theme to making your home great. Two until four every Saturday afternoon, we spend some time talking about your home, ways you can make maybe your home better than it is today, or if you're looking at a project, you want some advice, Tim Ferruzzi is here with Handy Helpers and Highland Residential Roofing. Afternoon, Tim. How you doing? Hey, good, babe. How are good, you? good. Telephone number here is 919-860-9783. Very quick AccuWeather forecast. Uh, sunshine, some clouds. Today's high about 67, overnight low 53. And right now it is 65 with the real feel of 61 on making your home great. And today, Tim, we are talking, as you described it last week, as design failures in the, what is it, what kind of envelope? Building envelope. The building envelope, or envelope, depending on what part of the country you were raised. Um, am I correct to say that the building envelope means the, the structure and what wraps the structure of your home? Well, basically, it's everything between uh, you yeah. and the outdoors. Okay. So it's your drywall. And it is your, uh, I mean, it's everything. Yeah. It's your roof, it's your crawl space, it's all of it. As my dad would say, it's the 20th century. There can't be any design failures in a house. Because we know how to build a house. Well, you know, here's the issue. Your design failures are typically um, maybe a material that they thought was good that ended up not being so good. Yeah. Or the workmanship that was done in the original process of building the uh, the envelope. Yeah. Or um, lack of maintenance, not taking care of the the structure and not painting or coating or uh, caulking. Um, yeah. And you can name the list goes on. So, so a building envelope is, is a is a term that uh, builders use, mostly architects and. Um, uh, green energy people, mm-hmm. you know, kind of on the higher end of uh, the professional level and the way they design things, and it's mostly uh, used in a commercial setting than it is in a residential setting. But it, yeah. but it applies to, to all of it. So it's a, I mean, there's design failures and the material failures. I can tell you the one thing that I see more often than anything is uh, is drywall um, error. Okay, you know, uh, nail pops. You know, you get this little section where the nail is, they puttied over the, over where the nail hole or the this drill hole, you know, the, but, but I can tell well, where the piece of sheetrock ends. Well, let's start with that. Let's start with the interior yeah. uh, skin, which is usually drywall. Yeah. And uh, you're right, uh, there have, there are issues with some of the nails. Uh, that people use now, they're mostly using screws when they install drywall. Right. And screws, screws in the physics world is considered the strongest tool because the seven, uh, the seven laws of physics, the screw incorporates most of those laws of physics. So, what I remember from high school, and I think still think it applies because physics is physics. Yeah. Unless you're talking about quantum physics. Uh, because the screw incorporates so many laws of physics, it is the strongest tool in the world. Mm-hmm. And um, so using a screw for drywall 
is the best way versus a ring shank nail or any just other type of fastener. Right. And uh, so that stops the nail pops in general um, that you're talking about. And then, but you can't always blame it on just that. It could also be related to the humidity inside your home. If you don't keep the heating and air at the right levels, that mm-hmm. can cause the materials to expand and contract more. So there's lots of other things that can play into why fasteners might do that. Maybe the house is settling. Maybe right. there's a footing issue. Maybe there's a clay uh, issue or a drainage issue. Well, you know what they call the drywall guy on his first day on the work uh, on the work site? They call him a drywall oh. guy. I mean, you know, they, uh, some oh, of this yeah. is just inexperience in in uh, workmen. Well. Well, it can be. It can be. I mean, you don't know that for sure, but uh, there is a lot of human error in construction as there is in lots of other things, so mm-hmm. um, that could be the case. But, you know, nailing into a stud um, is not that complicated. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, maybe they missed the edge. Maybe they hit the edge of the stud. So, But you can't always blame it on the workmen. I mean, right. there's lots of other factors that play into it. Okay. What else can I observe just standing around my living room that would be a design failure? Well, yeah, let's look at the the drywall. So sometimes your corners between your ceiling and your wall or your walls to your wall and the other corner uh, could crack, and um, that could be related to settling as well. Um, It could be related to, again, the humidity thing where we talked about where you're not keeping your air conditioning uh, some people like to keep their air conditioner sitting around 78 to 81. Yeah. And in my personal opinion, that's not low enough uh, because you're trying to pull the moisture out of the air. You know, in the summertime, you're dealing with humidity in the air. You're trying to pull that out of your house. And if you don't keep your uh, air conditioner at a low enough level and you keep it warmer inside, then you're going to have more moisture content. When yeah. you have more moisture content, if you haven't painted your house interior lately, well, mm-hmm. then that means the moisture absorbs into the wall, and drywall is, is basically, I think, limestone, and, of course, it's got a paper covering on it, so that absorbs moisture. Right. And then you've got the tape that's used to finish where drywall meets together, whether it be a 4x8 sheet or a 4-foot-by-12-foot sheet. All the seams are, are done with the tape and joint compound, and right. Of course, that's porous. So right. keeping your house painted uh, on the interior is is you know expected. You need to do that on a regular basis. Otherwise, your walls become fairly permeable. And if you're not, you know, running your air conditioning low enough, and even then, it can still be an issue. And then, of course, you're dealing with uh, expansion and contraction of material in general. Mm-hmm. You've got settling issues, as we talked about a minute ago. Moisture issues all the time. So it's a constant battle. Um, you've got to really stay in tune with your home in, in the varying days and temperatures. So you need to adjust things. Uh, you know, and, of course, your thermostat uh, will adjust itself. And, but you need to be cognizant of what's going on in your attic, what's going on outside, what's going on in your crawl space. That all affects mm-hmm. the drywall inside your home. You seem like a, a temperature-steady kind of guy rather than a uh, let's-turn-the-thing-off-some-of-the-time-and-then-turn-it-right-back-on. Um, well, uh, yeah, there's been schools of thought that say just keep it running at the same temperature all the time and let it adjust itself. Yeah. 
um, people that try to up and down their thermostat, I think they they find that uh, studies have shown that it doesn't work. Mm. You by the time you try to cool down your house when you're ready to come home, you're you're trying to cool down all the materials, the furniture, the drywall, everything has to cool down as well, not just the air. Right. So you're better off, in my opinion, and I think what some studies have shown, especially if you talk to some heating and air guys, to just leave it constant. Yeah. But still be aware of what's going on around you because that could affect other things that you might need to tweak. Maybe you need to have a heater in this room. Maybe you need to have additional air conditioning in this room. Uh, maybe you need to open the vents, close the vents, open a window, run your fan in the bathroom more often, mm-hmm. run your ceiling fans. So you got to kind of be aware. And listening to this show will help in some of that decision-making because you'll learn more about your property. Yep, you're absolutely right. Telephone number here is 919-860-9783. Best way to learn something is to ask questions and then get some answers. And that's what we do on the show, but it'd be nice to have you aboard also. 919-860-9783. We're talking about design failures in your home. Is it even possible? I said 20th century earlier just to make you laugh, but it's the 21st century, folks. Homes should be perfect, shouldn't they? At least the design? Well, maybe not. Call us up, 919-860-9783. Making your home great. News Radio 680 WPTF AccuWeather forecast does call for sunshine, some clouds uh, for the afternoon. Today's high near 67. We're close to that right now. Tomorrow, a high only up to 59. Monday, even chillier with a high near 55. And the next couple of overnights, actually, tonight's not bad, but uh, Monday morning, Sunday morning, and Monday morning, that was going to be chilly into the 30s. Right now, 65, a real feel of 61. News Radio 680 WPTF. Tim Ferruzzi from. Uh, um, of course, Handy Helpers and uh, uh, Highland Residential Roofing, and also Bill from Moncure. And Bill's got a question about uh, slab-built homes. How you doing, Bill? I'm doing well. I hope you guys are. Yeah, we are. Go ahead. Hey, so, um, it's been about 30 years ago, I was up in Maryland, and uh, I went to a fellow's house, and he was kind of showing me around, and his entire house was built with concrete slab. Uh, and it had a flat roof, but it wasn't completely level. Um, and anyway, it's always intrigued me, this idea of a concrete home. And I just thought maybe you guys could address it a little bit from cost versus risk and some of the, the, the pluses and negatives of doing that. A fully what? concrete home. Yeah, go ahead, Tim. Well, um, I'm not well-versed in that area. I uh, do know a little bit about it. I've... Um, I was down in Hurricane Andrew uh, for about six months down in Miami uh, doing work after the storm came through in 1992, and a lot of the structures down there are built out of concrete and uh, slabs, and they use uh, concrete in the walls, and then they tie it all together. They usually use like, uh, like concrete blocks, and then they do a header around the whole perimeter of the property uh, above your head level that is formed up and then they pour the concrete inside of that form and it fills in 
uh, all the blocks as well as um, comes down all the way down to the footing level um, every so many feet, every four feet, and it becomes one uh, tight structure. And a lot of times they'll either have a flat roof on it or a, uh, a roof with a pitch of, you know, normal pitch. Now they build big houses out of that way too that might have very high pitches and lots of angles. But, um, and of course, you know, around here in North Carolina, they've built a lot of homes with concrete block back in the day. Um, usually there were smaller homes. You see some buildings, commercial buildings that were built that way and still being built that way. Um, but mostly we use wood up there, up here and down there, they use a lot of concrete, uh, material because it's prevalent in that area, I guess, because of the coral and just the resources of the land. And we use wood up here because it's more of a resource here. Um, you know, and there's been improvements in it over the years as far as insulating value. You can buy these uh, products that, uh, and, and I don't know a lot about it, but there's more styrofoam involved in it, lighter weight concrete. Um, as far as how well it does insulating value, I think it probably does well. Obviously, you have less of a termite issue. Uh, it holds up better in winds, um, and that's, you know, down in Hurricane Andrew, if that whole Florida environment had been built out of wood, like some of the sectors were, like in northern uh, Florida or down in Homestead, um, they were doing a lot of frame construction, but they got away with it. They got away from it after the storm came through. They realized that these concrete structures, and it's common sense, held up better because they're stronger. So they are stronger. They got a concrete they box. Can't, huh? A concrete box, then. I mean, that's definitely a yeah, storm shelter or even a bomb shelter. Absolutely. But you just have to, you know, there are some considerations, I would think, with uh, how you heat and cool it, um, moisture control, because with with concrete and any kind of uh, brick mortar material, you know, uh, water, um, it's not impervious. It, it's permeable, just like wood would be. But oh. But people don't realize that, uh, and I'll, I'll give you an example. I went out to, I, 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 there was a home uh, in North Carolina that I, the woman died, the bank hired us. We came in and did a big renovation on the house. This was 20 years ago. And it was a, uh, uh, it looked almost like what you would see out in the Midwest. It was a, a very modern Hispanic looking home. Uh, low pitch roofs, and this one section of the house had a low pitch roof, and we had just put a new rubber roof on it, new roof on the house, it was stucco, and the new buyer called me up after he had moved in, and said, "Look, I'm getting some leaking. I'm getting some water on my my ceiling of my garage where the flat roof is, and uh, we had just put a rubber roof on, and the rubber roof actually went over the parapet of the of the concrete block, and the only thing I could deduce where the water was coming from, eight feet up in the air." was from the ground, and it had wicked up, it's called the capillary effect, it had wicked up the concrete block all the way up to the eight-foot level, and some of it was exterior soaking in as well, but it was not a roof leak, but he had a continuous uh, water spot the whole length of the garage on that one wall where the concrete wall and the uh, rubber roof met, and he could see it on the wood. So what was happening was the water was soaking in from the outside stucco, but it had just been coated, and also from the um, ground, and it was soaking into the wood. So 
there are some disadvantages to it because it is permeable, and uh, I see brand-new homes, older homes built out of brick uh, with wood framing that have some of the same issues, and that's why they create a dead air space in between the framing, the wood framing, and the brick itself so that you can get some ventilation for the moisture that does hit the brick. Now, I've seen that on what we've called cinder blocks. I don't know if that's the same thing as a concrete block, but cinder blocks in the garage yes, it where is. Yes, it is. Um, yes. you could tell that the water was wicking through, but there was no water on the other side, <laughs> and I couldn't quite understand that as well. So yes. I guess you'd need to put some sort of water barrier around it if you were going with the concrete solution. Exactly. If you see a lot of these um, big buildings that they build when you drive by, you see these big, these big uh, boxes they build for the box stores. Um, they've got these block walls. They've got them stabilized up. They've got black coatings on them. And at the ground level, they do all kinds of uh, moisture barriers uh, between the slab and that wall that's built on top of that slab to stop the wicking. So modern construction has gotten better in that department, but there is issues. There are issues, and and keeping it coated on the exterior is very important uh, with an elastomeric coating. Uh, so these homes that are, are block or concrete have to be coated. Gotcha. Painted. And then what about cost when it comes to, to something like those slabs? Or what was that, that anywhere comparable, the cost? Uh, I would think it would be more expensive, but again, it depends on the environment you're in. Transportation cost has a lot to do with uh, what's being used around certain parts of the country. So, you know, the way they build in Florida is different than the way they build in New York versus Washington State. Yeah, so it it really still comes down to the resources around the property and transportation costs on, on what's used, and that affects the cost. So if you want to build a concrete home up here, it's probably going to cost you more than it would in Florida, barring any labor differences. I would think the material would be cheaper down there than it would up here in general. Well, I'm not going to Florida for that. I'll tell you that. I'm going to stay here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Thank you very much. Hope, for hope I help. Question. Yes, sir. Yep. Thank you, Bill. Appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making Your Home Great. And though the topic of the day with Tim Ferruzzi from Handy Helpers and Highland Residential Roofing, though the topic of the day is design failures, we'd love to hear from you on any topic, including any projects you're thinking about doing. Uh, Talk to Tim about it first, or if you're thinking about hiring somebody, uh, talk to Tim, get some advice about that also. Um, The uh, radio show continues till 4 o'clock this afternoon, every Saturday, 2 until 4, making your home great. Uh, News Radio 680 WPTF. Our news is coming up in just seconds at the end of this song. News Radio 680 WPTF AccuWeather Forecast on making your home great includes uh, sunshine and clouds this afternoon high near 67 for uh, sunday it's a high up to 59 and then sunday night it gets down to 31 that's really monday morning but it's a cold morning uh monday 65 now real feel 61 news radio 680 wptf dave alexander along with tim ferruzzi of handy helpers and highland residential roofing and we are talking about design failures, unless, Tim, somebody wants to call 
860-9783 and pick your brain about something. So what other design failures could there be? We've been building homes forever. So let's let's talk about uh, what a design envelope is. Yeah. It is the paint on our wall. Okay. It is the drywall. It is the insulation in our wall. It is the framing or the skeleton of our wall. And it is the exterior sheathing, may it be OSB or or plywood or um, decking boards, and then our siding, whether it be, well, in a house wrap, if our house is a newer house, then we would have um, either vinyl siding, uh, hardy plank type of material, or uh, vinyl shakes, or you name it. could even be stucco, could be brick, block, glass. Of course, if you have glass, you're typically doing... Um, if you have a glass home, then yeah. you're doing something more commercial where you wouldn't really have the drywall. That would be your, the glass itself would be your, would be your envelope. Right. Um, so that's where a window or a door might come in and for most of our homes, uh, some equivalent. So our envelope is everything between us and the exterior, uh, going up to the roof, to the sky, mm-hmm. to the ground level and outdoors at our wall areas. So, um, so design failures, again, uh, we talked about some of the things with drywall and of course you've got some faulty drywall. We had all that Chinese drywall that came in, um, that was uh, letting off an, I think it was an off gas that was making people sick. Yeah. Um, so that is a design failure, uh, that makes our homes not habitable. Um, if, if we have a roof leak, or we have a leak around a window or a door, um, then we can have a design failure on our interior as well. Sometimes it never shows on the exterior siding. Um, it ends up running down in the wall, so you start seeing drywall. Kremlin went out to a job the other day. Yeah. Um, it was Sunday night. I got a call Sunday night and uh, just sat down and... Uh, Got relaxed on my couch, changed clothes, the whole deal. Got a call from a client, and um, he said, I've got uh, a rental house, and I need you to run out there and take a look. They've got water seeping in through the wall, and it's a townhouse, and this was on a party wall. So I arrive over there, and um, we've got water coming out of the ceiling. We've got water coming out of the walls in the kitchen between the... uh, above the cabinets, between the wall cabinets and the base cabinets, right there also in the uh, family room that adjoins it. And the water was seeping through all the weak points in the drywall, which is where the drywall seams are, where they're taped. Yeah. And um, we didn't know what it was. And uh, so I spent uh, about 30, 45 minutes over there Sunday evening. We ended up having to turn the water off on the house. We didn't cut any holes in the wall or anything at that point. We were just looking around. Went up in the attic, checked this, checked that, checked yeah. the bathroom upstairs, checked the floors, and ended up having to cut the water off at this house, this townhouse, and also the one next door. They weren't home. They hadn't been home for a couple of days. We thought maybe this party wall was leaking from the neighbor. Maybe they had a water heater burst and they didn't know, or a bathroom overflowing, something broke, and they didn't know about it. Yeah. So then we would come back the next day and uh, start cutting holes and. Uh, the party wall and the ceilings, and first we started with the ceilings on this side. So I'll make a long story short, after about uh, uh, five, six hours, seven hours of investigation, 
a couple guys as well that, are, that know what they do, cutting this, cutting that, moving in, you know, doing everything. The final assessment was it's coming from the roof. Well, this party wall does not go through the roof. It actually runs through the attic and stops just short of this, the uh, plywood and the um, uh, shingles. Yeah. So it's not a party wall that extends up out of the roof line like a lot of us might be used to. Um, so we end up assessing uh, that what we've got is a leaky roof, yeah. and um, but it took a long time to figure that out because there were so many variables involved in determining that. We had mold inside the wall. So long story short, um, uh, water penetrating from the roof can be a problem. You never no- notice it on the exterior. You might see it on a party wall or an interior wall. Insurance claim, home town home scenario is, uh, and and we investigated the next door's unit as well. Before yeah. we determined it was the roof. Of course, we went through their property, looked everywhere, and we were prepared to open up walls there as well and had permission to do so. Yeah. So the roof was the issue. So we've got a wind claim on the whole roof. It's going to have to be replaced. It's a separate insurance company, and then we've got the tenants, the the landlord's uh, policy for the interior of the townhome that was damaged by the roof, but it was what I would consider an act of God. Yeah. So his, his insurance will cover work being done on his inside, get rid of the mold. We're going to tear out some additional wall area. And so that's kind of what, that, that's another scenario where you would have some drywall uh, problems. And of course you're going to have to replace insulation. Yeah. Uh, things are going to, have to be uh, pulled out and redone. And on party walls, you're using two layers of five eighths, fire rated drywall on each side, on this side, and also the other townhome side. Um, so moisture from a roof can be an issue. Moisture from windows and doors can be an issue uh, related to your drywall and, of course, your insulation. And if it goes on long enough, it can rot out your structure. If it's a framed wall, um, you know, it can start rotting out, and of course, we've got mold already growing inside this party wall. So, evidently, this has been going on for quite some time. Yeah. And because we had three to four days of rain last week, um, and then on Sunday evening as well, it took that long for the material to hit saturation for it to be visible. So, yeah. just because your house, you don't notice leaks on your interior after one or two days of rain doesn't mean that it's not leaking. Yeah. Mark in Wake Forest is uh, called in on Making Your Home Great. News Radio 680 WPTF. Mark. Hey, um, just a question. I'm looking at a house with a concrete foundation. Could you go through the pros and cons? And is it a good buy or not so much in uh, Wake Forest? How old is the house, Mark? Uh, They're brand new. Brand new. Okay. Well, you know, uh, slab construction has changed a lot over the years. So um, the advantages of it is you're not dealing with the crawl space and all the moisture issues related to that. A lot of these slabs, are they use a lot of heavy mill plastic insulation, a rigid foam insulation board, um, and most of them are raised off the ground. And um, so generally speaking, those are the advantages of it. Um, some of the disadvantages of it are a lot of times your plumbing and your electrical will run through there. And, of course, 
nowadays a lot of it's protected within a chase. Uh, years ago, they just used to uh, lay the lines right inside the concrete, and they realized they were having issues with expansion and contraction, things cracking and breaking, and and or, you know even decomposition of some of the fittings. So the code requirement now is that all wiring and all plumbing has to run inside of a chase, uh, meaning another pipe. Uh, so that helps. Uh, whereas historically, some of these you go into a home. I, I remember years ago, I walked into a home 18 years ago, maybe 20 years ago, and there were cluster homes, and they were all built on slabs, and um, they had water leaks in the middle of their living room. And, and you know, what ended up happening was the, the water lines had busted. Um, so the only way to fix that is to cut out your living room floor with a jackhammer and go to work, which is a nightmare. And... Um, so you know, one thing that you, you just make sure it's above ground level and, uh, you know, it should be at least, in my opinion, six to eight inches above all surrounding ground level, if not more. And uh, I've been out to properties where the slabs were built level with the ground level. And if you have that uh, run, because you're going to have, on occasion, groundwater flooding, even if it's only an inch or two high, come in and and penetrate your structure, but a lot of times you don't see that much in new construction. Tim, should he be concerned at all about the the terrain? In other words, the runoff from from other um, you know other pieces of property. Um. Yeah. With any structure, no matter how it's built, if it's a crawl space or a slab or or whatever, you should always be looking at your surroundings and. Um, uh, do a little investigation on if they brought in the fill, you know, if they if they just came in. And, and I, I looked at a situation in Cary. This was a crawl space, and um, it was, um, uh, I mentioned this on the show before, it was a, a million-dollar home, $850,000 home, and, and when they developed this land, they brought in a lot of fill, and it just didn't sit there long enough, didn't get compacted enough naturally, and the machines can only do so much. And, of course, you're dealing with hills and and uh, natural uh, terrain with water flow. And the whole back quarter, 25% of our house, was slipping away. And the house was only five years old. Man. Wow. How about um, earthquake insurance? Is that something I should spend time on with the concrete slab? I figure both. Minor earthquake happens, it's going to crack the slab and create problems. Is that something I should worry about? Um, you know, I don't know if that's uh, much of an issue, obviously, around here, but, uh, you know, probably will be one day. Um, I, I don't know uh, enough to say there. I would think that you might be uh, still okay. Um, I would think that houses that are built on crawl spaces might have more of a problem with that scenario because of, the tolerance between where the wall sits and where that uh, foundation is, whereas your slab construction is all built on one, you know, monolithic slab. So I would say you're probably in better better shape with a slab for that. Well, I appreciate that. I was just helping yes, out at a Habitat house. I heard you guys on the call. So Thank you. Your appreciate your calling, Mark. Mark, take care. Thank you very much. Yeah, we got to get the Habitat for Humanity people in on this radio show. Um, we're tr- we've been trying to do that for a while here. 
All right, Tim Ferruzzi with the Handy Helpers and Highland Residential Roofing on the radio show, Making Your Home Great. I'm Dave Alexander. Call us up with a question. And bar that, you know, in case you don't call, we'll go on talking about design failures in even new construction. 919-860-9783 on Making Your Home Great. News Radio 680 WPTF. News Radio 680 WPTF, AccuWeather forecast, an overnight low tonight, 53, under partly cloudy skies. Uh, doesn't look like there's any rain in the forecast for a while. And for Sunday and Monday, clear skies and sunny during the day, but overnight lows near 30. That would be for Sunday and Monday. Right now, it's 65 with a real feel 61. News Radio 680 WPTF. Dave Alexander along with Tim Ferruzzi of Handy Helpers and Highland Residential Roofing. Websites include handyhelpersremodel.com and highlandroofingnc.com. And Bill in Roxborough has a question about, I think, log homes. Right, Bill? Right, Dave. Dave, Tim, enjoy your show, buddy. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Longevity of log homes uh, uh, concerning maintenance, uh, as far as the logs are concerned, outside maintenance and interior maintenance. This this home is to be, um, in a matter of time, built on the coast, right along the Noose River. So I'm wondering... The materials used in maintenance for insulation of logs, um, is, is, is it, has it improved for longevity purposes? The maintenance, the, the materials, um, the insulation? Well, when you say the insulation, typically in a log home, the interior and the exterior is using the same log, right? Right. So you're talking about the... Uh, what is that that they call in, but that goes between the, the logs? Yes. Um, starts with an S, Ch- I think. Chinking? Chinking. Yeah. I've researched some of it, and I'm not getting my answers that I want to hear. So can I, can I jump in with a number that only Tim will know or understand, but he can interpret it for us? The R value for the wood itself is between 1.41 per inch for most softwoods and 0.71 for hardwoods. And I think Tim is about to tell you that you're stuck with that once you've put it up. Like you don't insulate. Well, hey, Tim, try to talk me out of building a log home. That would be well, um, be I've worked on I've worked on maybe a dozen log homes over the years. They're rare, and of course you do see these kits that are out there right. on the smaller homes with the real steep roofs. Um and the front porch and back porch. Um, I I don't. People are not unhappy with the with their homes. They do need to be maintained. You still have to. Uh, well, for instance, if you've got one that's ten years old, you're not you're not going to want to use high pressure. And I never recommend that you ever use high pressure when you're trying to clean a home. Anyways, uh, you would want to use low pressure because otherwise you're going to get water in on the interior. And you're just filling that log up with all kinds of uh, moisture. You know, log homes uh, check. The logs check, which is crack. They, you see big openings in them. And that's been the biggest complaint I've heard from people. But it's uh, one of those necessary 
evils. Um, uh, but generally speaking, you just got to take care of them. You got to keep them stained, right. and um, the on the exterior. Uh, I have seen. I, I did go into a home that was not really super close to the water. He was within um, maybe a quarter mile, and he was wooded. Right. But he had a lot of water coming in. He had some wounds that were done in drywall. Right. and um, But I think he had just waited so long to do any maintenance on the exterior, and we did all that work for him after the fact. He had a lot of um, moisture coming inside on his walls, all around the windows, um, right. all around the ceilings, the joints. And I think it was just because he waited too long to, um, you know, he didn't take care of the exterior of the home like he should have. And people think that log homes don't need to be maintained, right. but they really do. Well, I'm concerned about the expansion of the logs, uh, cold and hot. And uh, what does this do for the insulation in between the logs? I've not seen any any major problems with that. Uh, we do have to go. We do have had to go and, and put in some uh, flexible butyl or tripolymer materials on some of the joints and just seal some of it, you are going to have that. Um, so that is an, an issue. But, again, um, generally speaking, the people that have these homes are happy with them, but you do need to restain them every five to eight years, and you need to take care of the exterior. If you think that you're going to build a log home and it's maintenance-free, right. then you're you're wrong. Right. So... But well, there is, you're right, there is some of the issues that you're talking about, um, and I've only been privy to see the interior of one that was ignored for a long time, and he, he lived there for quite some time, and he was trying to get it ready for sale. Right. And But all the other log home interiors I've seen, I, ne I didn't see that kind of leakage right. in their homes. Right. Thank you, Tim. Yes, sir. All right, Bill, thank you very much. Steve in Chatham County. Got a question about mold. How you doing, Steve? I'm doing good, Trader Dave. One yeah. item to give away. Free. <laughs> what, <laughs> what are you giving? What are you giving? Take the mold. Take yeah, okay. Away. Talk to Tim about that. <clears throat> well, my situation is I have a uh, a cabin uh, where I have a uh, uh, a bathroom with a flat roof. That was a, a mistake in the first place. Um, it has, over the years, uh, uh, apparently, I, I've let a gentleman live down there, and um, uh, he, he just did not let me know what was happening. And when I walked in the other day and saw this, uh, I mean, black mold uh, all over the ceiling. Uh, so what do I do? Tim, what does he do? So let me ask you a couple questions. So this is a rental property? No, I'm letting him stay there free. He's, he's okay. Well, still considered, but you don't live there, so it would still be considered somewhat of an of a investment property, a rental property. So how well, old is the well, house? Uh, it was built in 1960. 1960? Yes, sir. And yeah. is it a brick house? No, no, this is a... Uh, a uh, beautiful uh, cabin. It was had German siding. Um, you know, we did the German siding, but the la in the last several years, I did have 
um, one of the sponsors of this station come out and put aluminum siding. They put a garden window, uh, enclosed the porch, uh, you know, and did all these things. And then, you know, they said, hey, have you stepped into the bathroom? And I had not. You know, I, I'm not going to invade the man's privacy, but when I saw it, I mean, I was like, it, you know, all right. The roof was so did, black. So, so is this a bathroom extension? It is. It is a bathroom extension. All right, gentlemen, okay. we're gonna. I'm gonna put everybody on hold. We're gonna hang on, Steve. I hope you can hang on during our news because we still don't know where the water's coming from. Um, and I think that's one thing that Tim's gonna need to know to be able to uh, go forward with a question. But we're on the radio show, making your home great. News is coming up next. And then another hour of discussions about your home on News Radio 680 WPTF. WPTF. News Radio 680 WPTF. AccuWeather forecast includes clear skies, sunshine, and 67 this afternoon, overnight, low 53. Right now, 65, with a real feel of 61. Coming up on this show, in fact, about you know, a week from now, literally a week from now, Chris Fulton uh, from Fairway Home Detailing and a real estate agent on the show. And we're going to talk about a program they put together that's, I think, kind of interesting. If, if you do real estate work or uh, construction, you may want to tune in a week from now. Um, Tim Ferruzzi is on with us. He is uh, Handy Helpers and uh, Highland Residential Roofing. And Steve in Chatham County, who is famous for his mold, really, at this point. It's all we know about you, Steve. But yeah. you've got a piece of property, and I and I, I want to cut to the chase, but I want to lead people up to it just in case they just tuned in. You've got a piece of property that you weren't living in, so mold grew in the bathroom. Somebody else was living in it. Do yeah, you, well, Steve, know where the mold, where the moisture I, is that's I feeding do. the mold? Yeah. I, yeah, what is I do. It? Um, it is the bathroom addition. Um, uh, it, it's a very nice bathroom, but we put on a flat roof, and that was a mistake. Uh, it is a, a tar roof, and the, the moisture is actually coming in through the seam uh, up against the original cabin. And I just didn't realize that that was going on and when i walked back there i was like wow so now i'm just trying to figure out um you know what do i do now i know i know i need to wear a mask and and get him out of there steve so how long ago did you add this addition on i'm trying to get to a couple potential causes other than the roof and it may be just the roof but how long ago was this addition put on oh lord uh, I would say about 12 years. 12 years ago, and it has a built-up roof or it has a rubber roof? No, unfortunately, it's got a rubber roof. And my okay. intent is to, I will build a, you know, I want to tear this off and build a pitched roof over it. Yeah. Uh, but I just, I need to know how to go about removing the mold. Yeah. And I know yeah. you got to be really careful. Well, you do, and um, I'm, I've gotten some, I'm certified in mold. I don't deal with it 
all of the time, like um, you know, mold guys do all the time. I, but I know enough to to handle it properly, and I can handle the job because I do have certifications in it. Um, okay. So, so it sounds like your roof is leaking. By the way, a rubber roof is a good roof if it's done right. Uh, low pitch roofs are not a problem if you use the right material. So, don't necessarily think that you have to put a pitch on it to correct it. You just need the right installer with the right uh, thickness of rubber that's certified with a company, uh, with a manufacturer. Because just because somebody's a roofer doesn't mean they know how to install a waterproofing system, which is what that is. So keep that in mind. But bathrooms in general are problems because they're full of moisture. Do you have an exhaust fan in that bathroom? Do I, I'm sorry, say that again. Do you have a Do you have an exhaust fan in the bathroom ceiling? Do you, Again, do you have a, do you have a vent, like when you turn on the vent so it, it gets out the steam? Oh, no. See, I've just not been in there. I, I've i just not been in there, so I couldn't really yeah. tell you. I do have a vent. I mean, it works. I turned on the uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, air, the vent, and it, it works. I mean, it's... Okay. So you, do you have you heating know? and air that goes into that bathroom? Yes. Uh, okay. As well? All right. So, I mean, it sounds like you might have a roof leak. It sounds like that the bathroom is getting ventilated. Hopefully he's using the ventilation, the exhaust fan when he's taking a shower. Cause I see that as a big problem for a lot of people. They don't run the, the exhaust fan, and I always run mine for an extra 10 minutes after I'm done right. to get yeah, all the sure. steam out of the bathroom, and um, you've got heating and air lines. So as far as removing the, the mold, um I think that the easiest thing for you to do is to put on goggles and get uh, a a chemical mask. You can buy those at Lowe's that has the filters I, on I them. I have one, sure. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, since it's your own property and you're going to do this to your own property, uh, you know, but obviously you're not really supposed to do much on a property that's being uh, rented out or someone else is living in because they consider that more of a commercial aspect and, they don't like homeowners doing work on income-producing properties, even though you're saying that there is no rent being collected. Because no, what nothing. happens is you're endangering the lives of other people outside your family at that point, so there are some regulations on that. But maybe going in there and just – I see a lot of bathrooms with mold. I mean, my bathroom gets mold, even with my 90 CFM <laughs> fan. Um, you know, it's just it's just the way it is because you got wet towels, you got I hear showers, Trader Dave in the background. I'm man. just telling you. I'm just telling you, when he turns on that fan, it's like every airplane movie you've ever heard when the window pops out of the airplane and suddenly there are 400 sheets of paper blowing all over the airplane. So, so Steve, I went to a friend's house the other day. He actually is a very good friend. He's got mold growing in his bathroom as well. He doesn't have an exhaust fan, but in the, wa- in the, in the water closet room where the toilet is, which has got a much lower ceiling and a separate door, but the right. big vaulted ceiling in his bathroom, he does not have an exhaust fan. That's the number one problem there. And then secondly, uh, he's got a few spots of mold. He was wondering if it was a roof leak. I said, no, that's not a roof leak. That doesn't look like a roof leak. That's common in bathrooms. I said, get some Tylex. Um, and in your situation where it might be a lot worse than his, but in his situation, I said, get some Tylex, spray it down. And I could tell he wasn't his shower was full of mold, too, because he's not cleaning it enough. I said, buy Tylex, 
just spray it, let it do its thing. You need to wipe it down, go back and spray it again, spray it again, spray it again till it's gone, and you got to let it do its work. Something like that might be a simple solution to what you have going on, but you want to, if it's really, really, really bad, uh, and you may not know what really bad is, but... Uh, it's really it's bad. Steep, okay, so is a drywall actually um, concave, like drooping and the ceiling? Oh, no, certainly not. This is this is a mostly a roof issue, and, and yeah. you know, the yeah. bathtub was disgusting. I, I just used bleach. You know, well, bleach will work. Bleach will work. Uh, Tilex would work. Uh, one thing, I mean, you know, they you're worried about it getting around. I don't know if there's a return in that bathroom. Is there an air return yeah. that goes back to the uh, heating and air yeah. system? Yeah, and what he has done, he obviously is not using the heater. Um, I have propane heat out there. I guess he decided he couldn't pay the uh, propane bill, yeah. so he pulled in a wood eater. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't think he's been using, obviously, the heater in the bathroom. And so I think what's happening is we're getting moisture in there. That's right. That's, that's right. not being ventilated. That's right. So it may not it may not be 100% the roof issue. It may be issue with what we talked about earlier on the show, which is just right. the humidity in the, in the room. And, of course, bathrooms have higher humidity, so you just need to get in there and clean things up and, and just take precautions with goggles and a chemical mask and make sure you don't wear your Sunday clothes and um, take things out of the room. And, and, of course, you know, the breathing, you've got to be able to, you might want to open up a window if you've got a window in, in that, that bathroom it. and turn on uh, the vent. You've got a plate glass window in that bathroom, and there is no, you know, the ventilation is the... the um, Aerial, you know, the uh, roof ventilation vent. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, I, I don't think he's been using So if you think the ceiling itself is still okay, then after you've cleaned it with Tilex or bleach and you know it's good and clean and everything's dry, come back. Oh, I'm going to have to replace make it. Sure you, make sure you, you are going to replace it? Oh, yeah. These are the okay. um, tiles, you know, the uh, white. Uh, yeah, the the, the 12, inch, twelve inch by twelve inch Celotex yeah. tile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And see, and those are very. A lot of times, if they're not, are they painted or are they uh, just are they no. kind of flat finish? A flat, man. I mean, so those things are made out of particle sawdust exactly. uh, fiber, and they absorb water uh, yep. like it's going out of style. So if if you've got that scenario, then that's just a yeah. breathing ground. So that's definitely got to come off. Yeah, half of them are on the floor. Yeah. And that's yeah. what I'm saying. That's how bad this is. I had no right. idea. So I, I need to clean it up. I just, you know, is, you know. Yeah. <laughs> how do I Yeah, you might, need to, you might need to uh, get the roof fixed first and decide what you're going to do there before you do any interior work. Otherwise, you're just going to be, uh, uh, you know, it's just going to be blowing in the wind. You just. Right, waiting for the next rain problem. Yeah. Steve, thank you. Sounds like you may do that yourself. If you need somebody to come take a look at that, I'd be happy to just, uh, you know, get a hold of us and let us know. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Call back, let us know how it worked out. News Radio 680 WPTF. This is making your home great. Telephone number here 919 860 
888-900-9783 to talk to Tim Ferruzzi of Handy Helpers and Highland Residential Roofing, News Radio 680 WPTF. WPTF. News Radio 680 WPTF. Big thank you to Paula Fullerton for being on last week. And if you'd like to be on this week, all you have to do is dial this number 919-860-9783. 919-860-9783 on making your home great. And Tim, we've got another uh, caller with a question about mold. It's Beverly in Chapel Hill. Hi, Beverly. Hey, how are you? Good. What's your question? Well, I was wondering why there's white mold and black mold. And I wanted to know if there's a difference between mold and mildew. Excellent questions. So, um... There are lots of different types of mold, and they're all different colors, and some are worse than others for you. Uh, mildew is basically mold. Um, it's just they use a different term for it, but essentially it is mold. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, the only way you can truly tell if you've got the, uh, the really bad mold, which is black, the black stuff, but there's different black molds is to do an air test or a swipe, and usually the air test is the best way to do it. You need someone... I mean, obviously, we talked about that recently on a show where you can just go online and order something, and, and it's, I think, an instantaneous, or you can also even take an air sample and send it off, um, and that's what a professional would come do is take an air sample and, and send it off and have it analyzed, um, almost like a drug test. Um, but it's an air test on the environment of your home, and they would go around to different areas and, and um, you know, monitor and then send that in. And, of course, you got to make sure it's not contaminated in the way it's done. So um, well, it's really I, I, no... no- I noticed that on the back of my shower curtain that it was kind of black streaks. And, yep. um, of course, that's the part that's inside the tub. And I thought, well, that's just mildew. And um, well, it's mold. Mildew is mold. So okay. you know, you just need to clean it off uh, if you're going to continue to use that inside liner. It happens to everybody's um, shower uh, liners. You just either have to keep them clean um, mm-hmm. regularly, and and you know, just spray them down with something like Tylex is is what I like to use. Um, otherwise, you just take it off and throw it away and and put up a new one. Okay, well, thank you. Thank you, Beverly. Appreciate you calling in. Beverly from Chapel Hill. News Radio 680 WPTF. The radio program is called Making Your Home Great. Telephone number 919-860-9783. Call and talk to Tim about uh, any questions you have about your home. Tim, of course, with Handy Helpers and Highland Residential Roofing. Uh, contact him during the week or even on the weekends. Call up 919-676-5969, 919-676-5969. And the websites have good like contact buttons if you have a detailed question. You want Tim to think about it. Um, you go to handyhelpersremodel.com and highlandroofingnc.com. 
And Tim, a long time ago, before we had phone callers, we were talking about design failures. It feels like it was last week. Uh, we got as we got as far as what uh, paint and drywall. I think that was as far as we went. Yeah. So let's talk about insulation. Sure. Uh, and this fellow that called earlier, Steve. Yeah. He's yeah. going to have some insulation issues. So oh, we, sure. when you replace that that uh, twelve by twelve tile as he has, mm-hmm. um, there's going to be insulation behind it and um, or in the ceiling. And that's going to need to be pulled out and replaced as well because mm-hmm. it's probably contaminated if he had a roof leak. Oh, sure. Yeah. So that's got to be removed. He's going to have to check for any structural issues uh, that may have happened on the uh, framing. And that may need to be cleaned if it's still in good shape, but it has uh, mold growing on it. It can be cleaned. And then uh, usually if it's cleaned, you want to come in and let it dry out and, and probably use a kills uh, or a product similar you know, shellac-based primer, and that means basically a high-quality primer Yeah, to, to prime it in and kind of end all, but first you need to clean it and let it dry out before you do that. Right. And um, so, and then, of course, let's talk about his situation as the example. So his building envelope was the tile and then the, the framing and the ceiling and then the insulation, and then he probably has plywood on that low-pitch roof. Mm-hmm. Uh, there may or may not be any damage with that, and if it was a roof leak for years and years, um, then that would be uh, an issue, and he's going to have to replace some of that, and uh, he'll have to replace his, his insulation and his rubber roof if he decides to go back with a rubber roof or any kind of flat roofing material, or it sounds like he may reframe that whole structure and put a pitch on it, and... Um, we just need to make sure that he builds a, a proper pitch mm-hmm. because shingle manufacturers tell you not to put their shingles on anything less than a 312 pitch. And uh, sometimes, depending on what you're tying into on the house, that can or can't happen. A lot of times there's a, I see people that want screen porches built or sunrooms, and you've got constraints with, with what's on the back of the house. So if you've got a two-story window, and you're going to be going under that window with your roof, yeah. well, then your apex has to be below that window by yeah. six inches or so so that you don't have any water infiltration in that area. You've got to be able to flash it. So um, so building envelope, uh, you know, your, your rubber roof, shingles, uh, cedar roof, whatever you're doing, that would be your, your envelope exterior on your roof system, mm-hmm. lots of different types of roofing material. You need to make sure you talk to a professional about your options, and you can do in, uh, research on the Internet. And of course, your exterior, um, which would include your windows and your doors and skylights on your roof. and um, You have vinyl siding. You've got uh, fiber cement, which is the hardy plank material. You've got uh, masonite siding. You've got wood siding. You've got T-111 plywood, mm-hmm. and, and you name it. The list goes on and on. You've got synthetic uh, uh, stucco. So you've got to take care of your exterior, and you've got to take care of your interior. So painting and staining and keeping your house caulked is very important. On my, on my home, I make sure the house is painted when it needs to be painted, and sometimes in certain locations it's more often than others. And on certain sides, it needs more because that's where the storms come in on one or two sides of the house. And I've done some special things on those sides of the house. But I make it a practice every year or two 
to go around and recalk everything around my house, whether I'm repainting or not. Yeah. Because that's a place for bugs to get in, but it's also a place for for infiltration, uh, water or air, or, or air, and yeah. as well as, you know, the stuff leaving the house, uh, my heating and cooling. So trying to take care of your envelope and keeping it sealed up on the outside and uh, taking care of the interior, uh, it's all a system. And you have to treat it that way, and you got to be cognizant of uh, what you're doing in your home. And as Steve mentioned earlier, this fellow was not running the heat. He was being very conservative about uh, spending money. Um, it doesn't sound like Steve was charging him anything to stay there. Yeah, Maybe doors, doors were closed to certain rooms. Fans weren't put on. Um, and I see that people that maybe have downsized, maybe a couple that the kids are gone, they don't heat the, heat and cool the upstairs or they close doors on certain rooms. And um, that can be a problem. And it can cost you a whole lot more than you're saving. Yep, yep. And he's a single guy living alone. If you're a single guy living alone, you don't have mold in your house. I don't, I don't you know, I don't recognize you. Most guys have either got, got something growing somewhere. Uh, in the house. All right, I'm sorry. Tim Ferruzzi returning for the uh, second half of the radio show. Leslie's sick of me by now. Tim from Handy Helpers and uh, Highland Residential Roofing. And the radio show is called Making Your Home Great. News Radio 680 WPTF. News is next on WPTF. Yeah, I wasn't listening to that last commercial quite uh Clearly, is Zero Res now cleaning ducks? They are? I wonder if they would do chickens. Because I have chickens. All right. Telephone number here at uh, Making Your Home Great. 919-860-9783. 919-860-9783. Dave Alexander along with Tim Ferruzzi of Handy Helpers and Highland Residential Roofing. Tim, you mentioned a bunch of siding products a little while ago in your period of time doing construction and and repair work had there been some real like bad materials sold like something that sold for a couple of years and people said no this is not it's not wearing well yes yeah like what what was it and they're still and they're still selling stuff oh okay (laughs) uh that they claim the fame that will last um yeah uh, forever, you know the manufacturers. He, he, let me give you a quick example of something before I answer your question. Hundred percent. Yeah, that's fine. Um, the shingle manufacturers, thirty-year uh, architectural shingle. It's been a thirty-year product for years. Uh-huh. And, um, uh And one company decided to start calling their architectural shingle uh, five or six years ago a lifetime shingle. Yeah. <clears throat> um, uh, uh, several others quickly followed. And it went from being called 30 years to lifetime shingles. One or two changed theirs to a 40-year shingle. And then they ended up getting rid of the 40-year and calling it a lifetime shingle as well. So yeah. manufacturers are com- constantly competing for your dollars. And uh, you can't always buy into what they're selling at all. I mean, most of us have been around long enough to, to see uh, failures in the Mace Knight, that lawsuit that was against the Mace Knight siding. Uh-huh. Back uh, in the 80s and 90s, and then the EFIS, the synthetic stucco 
failure that uh, a lot of us had to get our homes redone back in the 90s. Um, from that, that was a class action suit, and even some of the shingle manufacturers have had class action suits. And so, you know, and look, you look at a perfect example, asbestos. Right. You know, they were selling us this product, and, and, and they knew it was killing people yep. uh, after a, period, a short period of time of it being on the market. They, they did tests, and they're not fooling anybody. So you can't always believe what the manufacturers are telling you. You have to be cautious of that. So be skeptical of any new material and any product they say lasts a lifetime. Uh, I just I don't buy it. I've seen a lot of failures. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the tried-and-true stuff is. Yeah. It's the old wood siding, uh, maybe a quality aluminum siding, maybe a quality vinyl siding. Um, and, and the key, again, is maintaining, keeping your house painted, yeah. coated, stained. Uh, that is so important, keeping it sealed, caulked. Um, so doing those basic things, those are very important, no matter what kind of material you have. People think that some material fails before others, but... If you're not taking care of your house, all material is going to fail. Do I have you know, to do anything with my vinyl siding? Vinyl siding needs to be cleaned. Yeah. And vinyl siding comes in different thicknesses. Um, there's a there's a builder's grade, which is usually the thinnest grade there is, and then there's a, a mid-grade, and then there's a high quality. And so many of us uh, have been brainwashed to, to go with the low price. And... Uh, if you go with the low price, you're asking for trouble, right? Um, because you're gonna the contractor is gonna have to still feed the kids or feed themselves and keep the lights on and pay for the gas in their truck. So you're not getting the deal you think you are. Uh, it's highly likely if if you're dealing with a low price uh, estimate that you're gonna be the quality of the material is gonna be less and and probably some of the labor as well uh, in most cases. So. Um, and they work off of misinformation. So the thickness of your vinyl siding is important. Mm-hmm. Vinyl siding needs to be washed. Um, it needs to be sealed. Typically when you have a vinyl-sided house, you have windows that have been cladded. Mm-hmm. Um, they have to be caulked. On the, the cladding does. The aluminum that's been bent around the windows, if it's an older home, that has to be recalked on all the joints, right. typically in the corners. The doors the same way. Um, so, but generally speaking, vinyl siding is, is somewhat maintenance free, mm-hmm. uh, but you still have to keep it cleaned and you still have to make sure that you replace pieces as they break from the lawnmower or baseballs or for whatever reason. And, uh, just check the caulking around the J channel pieces, the trim, the windows, the doors, the corners. Um, so Having having a professional come out and evaluate your home, I, people call me out all the time to give estimates, and I do, and they'll call me for a specific thing. And when I'm out there as a service, I'll say, look, I've looked around your home. I'm seeing some problem areas. Obviously, it's somewhat self-serving, but it's mostly to help the client out so that they understand that this is an issue, this is an issue, this is an issue, and this is an issue. Yeah. So I'll do that all the time because it's just good business. And I also get additional work from it. But what's more important is that the client knows, hey, this is a $5 fix. This is a $200 fix that's going to save you $5,000 down the road. Yeah. You need to do it now. And, and people appreciate that. And then I give them lists, hey, this is, these are the things I see, and here are the prices for these items. 
and here's a bundle price if you do it all. Um, so, you know, you got to be cognizant, and if you're not cognizant of, of all the ins and outs of your home, then you should call a professional and just have them come take a look around, uh, hopefully with the intent of hiring them. Chris in Clayton has a question about uh, roofing material. How you doing, Chris? Welcome. I'm doing well, thank you. Good. You are uh, on, uh, let me just uh, tell you, you're on Making Your Home Great News Radio 680 WPTF. Go ahead. Okay. I've got a uh, a water problem under uh, uh, my mother's house, and uh, it just stays moist under there. And I had some uh, floor joists in the main beam, pretty much just dry rot, uh, because I didn't pay attention to it over a period of uh, five or eight years. The house was built in 79, but I'm wondering, I got under there and uh, raked it, smoothed it out, uh, it's ready to plant grass seed. But I would like to put uh, some type of hypalon roofing instead of just thick bisqueen under there to kind of seal the foundation. Well, yeah, um, there's different products you can use, but, uh, uh, you know, plastic, uh, a thick mill plastic like a 10 mil or a 20 mil plastic, um, it will do the job. Um, a lot of times we'll use a 20 mil plastic, and uh, that's all you really need if you, if you do it right. I mean, you can go with a hypalon, but you're, overkill, you're overkilling it. And you also want to make sure you can see through it as well to a degree because you do have piping and things that run on the ground that, you know, you need to service in the future and you need to be able to see it. So uh, doing a full-scale uh, dry steel crawl space, full-scale, um, you should try to lean towards something that's translucent, uh, semi-clear, so that you can see the, the, the pipes and things that are being covered by the material. But... A 20 mil plastic is is fine. A 10 mil plastic is used a lot, um, but you can step it up. There's lots of different materials that can be purchased, but um, most of those you can't see through. Okay. Well, I really don't have anything underground that I need to see through. Uh, so I was yeah. just wondering, best, best place to buy, uh, I'm a licensed HVAC contractor. I was wondering where the best place to buy uh, the tin bill plastic or the uh, a thin hypalon type roofing material. Well, Granger's Granger's is a is an option. You okay. know Granger's. Yes, sir. Yeah, you can look them. Go online and look those guys up, and they've got different products that they sell. And of course, you can do some Google searches and find some other sources as well. Okay. All right. Well, I appreciate the call, and I really enjoy the uh, the uh, show every week. Yes. yes Thank sir. you. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Uh, I seem to be one of those that think I know it all, but I learn something new every day when I listen to y'all. Well, this is good. Well, well, I learned something listening to you. Thank uh, you guys. Okay. <laughs> all right, Chris. Have a good day. Take you. Uh-huh. Take, take care. care. Thank you very much. That's great, Chris and Clayton. Uh, News Radio 680 WPTF. The radio program is called Making Your Home Great. We are here each Saturday from 2 until 4. Next week, Chris Fulton will be uh, aboard. Chris is with uh, Fairway Home Detailing. We had him, uh, his dad, and and actually his wife in studio not that long ago. But he's going to bring in a real estate agent. And we're going to talk about a program they're doing. 
um, and a whole lot more in the coming weeks on this uh, show. We've got the last segment of the show with Tim Ferruzzi coming up on News Radio 680 WPTF. News Radio 680 WPTF. AccuWeather forecast on making your home great. Sunshine clouds and a high today near 67, overnight low 53. Then sunshine tomorrow. Clear skies for Sunday and Monday, which of course means that overnight it's going to get chilly uh, each night. Uh, But Sunday's high is 59, then down to 31. Monday is 55, then down to 33. It is 66 with a real feel of 62. News Radio 680 WPTF. Dave Alexander with Tim Ferruzzi of Handy Helpers and Highland Residential Roofing. Tim's talking about design failures. And we we haven't gotten to framing yet. Uh, but I want to ask Tim a general question. When you say design failures... Are, are there is there a, a certain level of let's just slap it together um, that's going on in home construction? Um, well, that people are building uh, you know, it quickly and cheaply, and yes, okay. yes, um, there is. Uh, the wood that's being used now is is very soft, and uh, because it's being grown very fast. Uh, versus what was used in the older homes. Mm-hmm. Something I was going to mention earlier is some of these older homes that were built in the 30s and 40s and 50s and earlier, sometimes those houses can go without paint on the exterior for years yeah. and not rot because the wood has so much resin in it that it just holds up. So, yeah. uh, And sometimes it, 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 paint has a hard time sticking to it. Uh, as well, after you you come in and you clean the home up real good and paint it, so yeah. um, the materials just uh, uh, is is generally cheaper, even though it's supposedly engineered better, or certain portions or certain types of material are engineered better, supposedly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, uh, it's all fast track, and and here's the problem: it's not just the you know they like to blame it on the builders alone, but it's a vicious cycle. So mm-hmm. let's let's think about it for a second. When people buy a house, they want to buy a house for as cheap as possible to get the best value, generally speaking, right? Right. Well, uh, so houses have to be affordable. Uh, People have to qualify for a certain dollar amount to spend on a home. Um, The market kind of tells what will work and what won't work, and the banks kind of go based on that. And then, of course, you've got appraisers that come into the picture so to give you a quick example, I bought a fixer-upper, mm-hmm. I put a bunch of money into it, figured I could get, this was 25 years ago, figured I could get $63,000 for the house, yeah. and ended up having to sell the house for 58000 because the appraiser came in and said it was only worth this much, yeah. even though I did all kinds of extra things to make the house nicer. So I lost $5,000, which means 25 years ago I lost money on the house. Yeah. So... You're, you're kind of, there's lots of factors that play into that. And then, of course, um, you know, a lot of contractors are using, um, uh, not necessarily always a low price bidder, but, um, you know, everything is just kind of price-driven in so many ways in the new construction business. Uh, they have to be very conscientious of, 
of what they're spending on the property. Otherwise, they won't make any money. And if a builder's not going to make any money, then he can't stay in business to service the product or build anymore yeah. and feed his family. So yeah. um, the question you ask is is somewhat true, but it's it's a cycle. It's a big conglomerate of problems uh, that create what we're dealing with. Yeah. And then 2008 happens, and all bets are off. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. You know, uh, I want to be on the on the side of the homeowner, but I'm also on the side of the the person building the home or the person maintaining the home, and that's their their business. You know, and the economy goes down. Somebody does not want to be holding on to five or six houses that they intended to flip for a hundred and you know, hundred and fifty or two hundred and fifty thousand. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, I'm just I'm just asking. I, I noticed that there's. Uh, there's levels of quality in carpentry, finished carpentry, that they vary from home to home, not just the material. I'm just talking about the skill in putting it together. My only conclusion is either they didn't know how to do it perfectly well or right, or they did it quickly, and they got out well, as quickly as possible. But if, but if, but if you're selling a million-dollar home— yeah. And you're selling a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar home. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's going to be a difference mm-hmm. in the material and the labor that you use. Yeah, in most cases, because there you just don't have a choice. Yeah, and and I'm not a builder of homes. I'm just kind of speaking on their behalf. And if anybody wants to chime in and, and say something before the end of the show about that be happy to but that's my general observation uh you know builders they they have to make money like everybody else and if if you're going to buy a million dollar home Mm -hmm. then you can afford to have the granite countertops and Mm -hmm. the fine the the closets in the master bedroom that are as big as uh most other people's small bedrooms larger and all the other fine things and of course the labor involved in doing those is more skilled so uh you know it's just it's hard to to, to you know, do everything perfect when you're trying to build an affordable home. Yeah, and, and I think builders get a bad rap for for things that may not be related to to them, and in some cases they get the rap they should have gotten. And it just depends on the builder and the situation. But um, you know, I think it's, it's it's complicated. Yeah, I have to admit that I own a bigger home than my dad was ever ever able to own. And it's in part because of lower cost materials and lower cost of labor. I mean, that's just the bottom line on it is that you could. Yeah, you, a quick example, yeah. not to interrupt. Sorry, yeah, go ahead. I want to mention this. You I, go ahead. If you, if you, like, I'm, I'm sitting at a home right now that was built in 1905. Yeah. And the house was is about 4,000 square feet or better. Built yeah. in 1905. If you had to rebuild. This house now, with all the same materials, if you could even get it, get the, uh, a lot of the materials. Right. If you had to rebuild this house with all the same material and the same quality labor, yeah, and the same fine labor that was used, it would cost you twenty-five times more per square foot mm-hmm. than building a house the same size with modern material and modern labor practices. Yeah. yeah. So I you're talking. 25 times, so if, if a house is, is selling for $100 a square foot nowadays, 
uh, and it's just a moderate home, $250,000, dollars mm-hmm. then you're talking 100 times 25, it would cost you $2,500 per square foot to rebuild this home uh, with the same material today as it was in 1905. And could you get your hands on that much oak and that much good quality oh, you material? Can, you listen, you can find it. Yeah. You can find it, but again, it's going to cost you $2,500 a square foot. So mm-hmm. you, you'll you'll be able to do it. It's going to take a lot longer. It's going to be a lot more complicated, and you're, you'll probably find 60 to 70% of the same type of material, but there's going to be some that just is non-existent anymore. Right. They just don't make certain types of tile or, or plaster you know, they're just not doing, they're not selling certain products anymore. Right. Tim, next week we've got on the schedule tile. Tell me what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about everything tile. We're going to talk about ceramic tile. We're going to talk about uh, porcelain tile. We're going to talk exterior applications, interior applications, bathrooms, kitchens. We're going to talk about some flooring, LVT, uh, uh, luxury vinyl tile. Um, you know, there's or planks. Some people call them planks. It depends on how it's designed. Um, so anything tile, we'll talk about. Even even people using it on facades as their exterior envelope. Yeah. Instead of siding. So, um, and then of course the week after that, I think we're talking about wood rot, right? Yes, sir. We're talking yeah. about wood rot. My question to you about the tile is: uh, Are, are we going to also talk about those types of flooring that? I don't consider tile. I think they're some sort of snap-together wood-related uh, flooring. Well, is it? Yeah, I mean, that, that's called luxury vinyl tile. Is that it? So it's still a form of tile. I mean, when we think of tile, generally we think of marble, porcelain, ceramic, and uh, things like that. But tile is, tile is a lot of... Today's terms of tile is a lot of different things because of the new products that are out there. All right. That is next week's show on Making Your Home Great... News Radio 680 WPTF. Thank you, Tim. Have a great week. Tim with Handy Helpers and Highland Residential Roofing and Eagle Roofing, the industrial division or the commercial division. Uh, Contact Tim at handyhelpersremodel.com or highlandroofingnc.com and tune in next week for Making Your Home Great, WPTF.